Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the OG Therapy Podcast. Welcome to the OG Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of OG Therapy. And I've got something hot off the press for you guys today. This comes from my high school class and long-term listeners will know that usually um, when I do this thing called my social health midterm for my high school class, I've got to come on the podcast. And I got to tell you guys some stuff, give you guys some good nuggets, share some, some thoughts, feelings, some insights that I have so that you guys can take that, put it in your toolbox, put it in your quiver so that you can use these things and I'm learning to also have a better connection with your kids as well. So let's just jump right into it. So during the social midterm, I put all the kids together in a big gigantic circle. We have rules that go along with this midterm. It's not counseling, it's not therapy, but they just got to answer a couple simple questions. And when they answer these simple questions, the first question is kind of like a lighter question. And then the second question is a little bit deeper. They aren't required to give a specific answer. I'm not trying to get these kids to share their deepest, darkest secrets or get them to, um, you know, like I said, it's not therapy. So I, I want them to just share things about themselves and then their peers can find that they have something in common with each and every one of their, you know, their classmates, because they always do have something in common when they do these midterms, but they just don't really know they have things in common on the outside. We know we have similar things in common. Like for example, um, a kid walked into my class and he had a sublime shirt on. Saw a girl, she had a sublime hoodie on. They go, oh, hey, what's up? They kind of gave each other a nod. Oh, I like your hoodie. I like your t-shirt. I saw that one. I almost got that one too. Throughout the quarter, they started to talk a little bit more. They developed a little bit of a friendship simply because that first thing that they had in common. But a lot of the kids, they come in the class, they size each other up. They judge each other. And sometimes, well, they make judgments. Sometimes not judgmental. Sometimes they just make judgments like that's a friend a kid that I would hang out with, or it's a kid I wouldn't hang out with, someone I have in common, something I don't have anything in common. Well, a girl in my class, um, right before we did the midterm, she, she made a very interesting observation about herself, and she said this in front of class, and not surprisingly, a lot of kids agreed to this. She said that, I like this class so far for many different reasons, but she said, I really like it because when I come here to class, every time, because everyone in my class has to talk throughout the class, we go around the class, maybe a couple times in the class, you got to share your opinion on something. Everybody answers the same question. And the midterm was no different. It was just deeper. So this girl, she comes and she says, uh, well, this is right before the midterm. She said, one of the things I like about this class is that normally I will look at other people and I'll kind of make a judgment about them. And I found out that I'm really doing this to kind of like give me excuse to like not get close to them. Because I feel awkward and uncomfortable with people socially. So if I find a reason to justify why we wouldn't be friends, why there's no reason to talk to this person, then I don't have to feel so awkward. It's like I made up my mind. Because, you know, she was saying awkward moments are when you don't know what to say, you don't know what to think, you don't know what to do. So she goes, I just make up my mind after I make a quick judgment and then I put them in a category. So then it's not awkward anymore. I have my mind made up about how to feel about that person. But she said when she comes to class, every time someone talks or says something, she goes, every class, there's at least a couple people in the class where she looks at them. She's like, dang it, like, I totally judged them wrong. Or 
man, like that's something interesting or something that I have in common or they're sharing a thought or feeling or a frustration that I also share those same things. But after the midterm, she said it was like that just on a whole nother level. So the reason why I'm bringing this up to you guys is without fail, every time I do this midterm, kids start off with the first question, they're answering it and they're, they're sharing some things about themselves that they, they, they wish were different or they feel uncomfortable about. I have them pick things that they wish they could change in their life. You know, something small or simple. And, you know, it could be about their situation. It could be about them as a person. And most of the teenagers will pick something like, I wish I was taller. I wish I was shorter. Or, you know, if they have straight hair, they wish I had curly hair. If they had curly hair, they wish I had straight hair. Like, I wish my nose was shaped a little bit different. And you would think there's like 35 kids in this class that why would teenagers admit those things in front of each other? Well, throughout the whole entire quarter, every single day, we do these icebreakers. Sometimes the icebreaker is like, hey, show, share us with the high and low of the week for you. Sometimes the icebreakers are called downloads and deletes. Like, what are some things you need to download more of in your life? And what are some things or people or thoughts you need to delete in your life? Now, when they say people, we say don't say the actual person's name. Just use their initials. Just kidding. Um, so the point is, throughout the quarter, they're just warming up, warming up, warming up, warming up. They're getting used and getting comfortable talking. A lot of these kids would never have the whole entire class look at them, then talk and feel, be able to start to feel more comfortable. In fact, in the very beginning, at least half the class is scared to death just to answer the most simple question. Because most classes will add, will do icebreakers at the very beginning of a quarter or semester. And then after that, they got to teach their lesson. Well, my lesson is connection. The whole entire point of the class is to have better relationships. And so if you want kids to be better socially, you've got to put them in social situations. Or as I like to say, if you want to teach someone how to swim, you better have a pool or body of water around here. Like you can't just teach people how to swim on the land. I mean, you can talk about it, but eventually you're going to have to get wet. So just like our class, every single day, every single time in the class, they, you know, first they put their toe in the water, then they put their foot and they put their leg and they eventually start to get more and more of this, uh, the water, so to speak, being the social environment. And just like water, we can be scared that we're going to drown sometimes. So social, a lot of times kids are scared they're going to drown. Or other times, kids get in the water and they don't walk in slowly. They jump in head first. Uh, they could, you know, say off-putting things, maybe make, you know, fool out of themselves, say something that they thought was funny, but other people didn't think was funny. Maybe they create the awkward moments. So they're spazzing out the water. They're floundering around. They're not really knowing how to swim. They're just freaking out because they're so scared of the water that they just jump right in and they get themselves in deep water pretty quickly. So using that metaphor, I want to tell you guys for a second what happened and how you can use this information to help you have a better connection with your kids. So I want you to think of your family and your nights and your weeks with your kids, kind of like um, my icebreakers uh, with my kids. And then those big moments when your kids do open up to you and they, they confess or they, or they share some things, you know, parents, think about those moments where you had a really good talk with your kid, like just broke down about struggles at school, stress they're having, insecurities, what have you. And I'm not talking about if you have a kid who's always doing that every single day. I mean, those deep connecting moments where you really get a sense of like, wow, this is very helpful. This is healing for them. And I better just sit back and listen. Well, in order to create those moments, you're going to have to chip away at it throughout time. In earlier episodes of the podcast, I have given parents suggestions to do things like highs, lows, and who the heck knows. Now, there's some other variations of that. And I love it when people experiment. 
Um, uh, my daughter's friend, her family I taught them this a long time ago, and they love doing this at their dinner table where every single person at the dinner table in their family always start with the oldest person in the family. If it's the dad or the mom, you know, the, one of the parents start and they go to the oldest kid all the way down so they can start modeling for everybody else how to do it. And they just talk about their day and, you know, what were some of the, the highs about their day and what were some of the lows about their day. And every single day and every single time that parents and people do this, they're slowly getting a little bit of taste about what that person's going through, what that person's worried about, what that person's trying to achieve, what that person has on their mind that is something that's taking up a lot of space and maybe, you know, something that they're, they're really passionate about, but you know, you wouldn't really know about it unless they talked about it in just small little bite-sized pieces. And then if they keep on bringing the same thing up uh, on the dinner tables is when I usually have people do this. If there becomes a common theme, then people in the family can sit there and go, oh, wow, this is something that's important to them, or this is something that um, their attention and their time is focused quite a bit on. Well, we see patterns the same way with the kids in the class when I do these icebreakers. And then everything accumulates when you get to the midterm, just like parents, when you get to a moment when your kids are really struggling. The goal is we want them to develop greater social cardio. So throughout the quarter, we do this every single class and they get more comfortable. Some of the kids in my classes, you guys, they come with IEPs, they come with 504 plans. Some of them I read off the jump that they have extreme social anxiety. They do not feel comfortable talking in front of people. They may have to go to the bathroom and they have all these little things that they're allowed to do or take time away from class um, in order for them to be able to maintain um, good mental, emotional well-being in school. In the very beginning of the quarter, I see these things very clear and very obvious. A lot of times these, these teenagers will get anxious and nervous in the last go to the bathroom a lot. When it's their turn for the, the icebreaker, they, you know, they go, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom or, you know, they're just really quick and they just say something and, and be done with it. But by the time we get to the midterm, magic starts to happen. I got a handful of kids right now that at the midterm, they took their time, they spoke and they talked about things that really matter. In the very beginning of the class, the very beginning of the quarter, I could tell some of their peers, um, they weren't openly mocking these kids for being awkward and socially uncomfortable, but it was kind of borderline. In fact, a couple of times I had to say, hey, remember everybody uh, don't have side conversations because if you have a side conversation while someone else is talking, they may think you're talking about them. And I know none of you would talk about your classmates like that and, and gossip about them or make fun of them while they're talking and the whole entire class is looking at them because you wouldn't like that to happen to you and you're about to be up in just a couple of turns. So you want to make sure you give them the same respect that you would want them to give you, right? And they all look at me, yeah, yeah, okay. And then if it happens a couple of times, I'll pull a couple of kids aside and say, hey, I know you're not a bad kid. I know you're not judgmental, critical, but I just got to tell you what I've seen. It looked like after that kid in class said something in the icebreaker, it looked like you're low key kind of mocking them and making fun of them. And yeah, you know, it's just because I know that's not the type of kid you are. I just want to let you know it looked that way because you wouldn't want to look that way now, would you? Oh, no, no, Mr. Cause I would never want that. I'm so sorry. Or I apologize. I had a couple girls being in the quarter. They put their heads down. They got really bummed out. Like, We're sorry. Like, I just, we didn't mean to mock her, but just like, she's just so different. And she's kind of odd looking and dresses weird. And I go, Hey, that's, I get it. And I'm letting you know, cause I don't think you're doing that on purpose. The girl stopped it. Didn't do it again. Come the midterm, these specific girls. And I talked about this on the podcast earlier <clears throat> in the quarter, these specific girls 
the girl that they were mocking, now when she talked in the midterm, they cried. They literally teared up when they heard this girl talk, when they heard this girl share a little bit of personal information about some things that she's gone through in her life. And the interesting thing is she didn't give any details. She just dropped a hint. And then she shared how she gets really uncomfortable because she knows she says things just randomly and, and she's always been made fun of. And, you know, it's, it's just so heartfelt, so genuine, so sincere that these girls are very, I would imagine they're very popular girls. They put a lot of time and effort into their fashion. These girls put their heads down. They were tearing up and I looked at them. And when it came to their turn, we do a little call sign, basically, like when someone says something that you want to show them, you feel for them, you appreciate what they said, or you just totally like you've been through the same thing they've been through. You just pat your heart twice. Boom, boom. One for you, one for them. It's it's a way to let the person know, keep talking. You're not crazy. We get you. And when, and when someone's talking and they see their peers patting their heart, they're like, oh, people are picking up what I'm putting down. These girls patted their heart. They cried, but it came to their turn. Then they opened up and they shared things that I know that they wouldn't have feel comfortable sharing, but that girl gave them the courage because they found out that that girl that they first judged that they thought was awkward, they thought was different, is actually very brave, very confident, and they envied her in all the best ways. And they even said it. So there was lots of experiences in this. But the point I'm giving you guys this information, the reason why I really want you to, I want to point this out is if you want your teenagers to open up to you, you can't just come at them, start asking them questions. And because you're stressed and you're worried that all of a sudden now they're going to be in a place where they're going to feel comfortable in talking to you. You have to set it up over a course of weeks and sometimes months. It may take years for your kids to, to develop that closeness and that connection with you, but it starts with you going first. So parents, if you want your kids to be vulnerable with you, if you want them to know that they can tell you anything, then you have to push the envelope and you have to start testing them and sharing things with them that you might only share with a friend. Now, parents have, have argued, or not even argued, they brought this, well, you're not supposed to be friends with your kids. You're not supposed to share deep personal information about your struggles and things like that. And a lot of parents, even if they do try to share deep personal information, they usually, it usually sounds like this. Hey, you know, when I was your age, you know, I was depressed or I got bullied or, you know, I was mad at my parents too, but I got over it and you'll be fine. That's not sharing deep personal information. That's making a point to try to tell them that they should listen to you and that they should stop their feelings, stop their thoughts because it makes you uncomfortable and it's really an inconvenience for you. At least that's what it comes across to the teenagers. And I know this because I've you know, only heard it from a few thousand of them. Well, if you want your kids to open up and talk to you, you got to set the stage. And when I say that you set the stage, you have to go first. So for example, if you think your kid is um, struggling with motivation and you think that they're feeling, you know, that they're being lazy and, and they're not, um, they're not meeting their full potential randomly when it's not even an issue with your kid, I just want you to tell them, well, I got a confession. Maybe it's at a dinner table. I, I do this with my family, call it confession session. And I do it with the, the kids at the group. I don't do it at the kids at school. But, you know, when I say the group, my, my nonprofit that I've had for years. And in confession session, I'll just tell my kids, hey, 
I got something to confess to you. My son the other day, he was bummed out because uh, he was at his jujitsu practice and he uh, wasn't as good, doing as good as he usually does. He's been out for a little while because he hurt his knee and he got back and he's all frustrated. And he's down on himself and he's like, oh, I could tell he just, he didn't even want to talk in the car. He was mad. And I just sat there, I sat there. And instead of saying, son, it's going to be all right. Or son, why are you mad? You know, why are you feeling this way? Well, at our home, we do a lot of these highs and lows. And we do it, you know, probably three or four times a week. And in this particular situation, instead of telling him what's wrong, what's wrong, or tell me how you're feeling, I just said, son, I know you're upset. I know you're frustrated. And I just need to tell you, like, if I were you, I'd be upset and frustrated too. And he looked at me and he said, what do you mean, dad? And he was like, are you saying something's wrong with me? In fact, my son is very, like, very sensitive if I'm, like, criticizing him or being mean to him. He's like, wait, are you being mean? You trying to talk trash to me? And I looked at him and said, no, no, no. I totally get what you're going through because I took a deep breath. And I was like, yeah, well, I wasn't planning on telling you this, but I've actually quit jujitsu a number of times. And it's, I go, son, the reason why I don't have my black belt right now is because I've not just wanted to quit. I've actually quit a bunch of times. And he looked at me and goes, you've quit? I go, yeah. I go, I'm only, you know, a certain belt. And the reason why I'm not further is because I have all these injuries. I have all these, these things I can't do because of my heart, my knees and my shoulders. And every time I get hurt, I get down, I get depressed. I get frustrated with myself and I get pissed off and I just, I just don't feel like it's worth my time. So I stop. And then six, seven months goes by and I'm like, oh, I got to do it again. And then I try again. I said, you know what though, son, every time I quit, I come back better. I come back stronger. But every time I quit, it hurts. I feel like I'm a loser. I feel like I'm not any good at it. And it makes me, it just makes me feel like down on myself. And he looked at me and he goes, dad, that's how I feel right now too. He's like, I feel like I don't want to quit. And at that moment I had to fight back, by the way, while he was at practice, parents out there watch your kids in sports, I was biting my tongue. I wanted to tell him, do this, do this, do that. Cause I was like, I'm like, what happened to him? He's only been gone for a week or so. And he's already forgot like everything he's learned. It's just, he wasn't even in the mindset. He wasn't even trying hard. He, you know, kids were able to get him like in situations that normally he would just he would never be in that situation. And so I didn't say anything. And so because I didn't judge him, I didn't criticize him. He was able to tell me that he was hard on himself. He was judging, criticizing himself. And after he got done sharing that he, he felt that way, I just listened to him and he looked at me and goes, are you disappointing me, dad? And my response is, no, son, actually, I totally get it. I go, can I tell you something though that I don't want you to like try to think that I'm trying to like, be your cheerleader and make you believe in yourself. But I just, can I tell you something that, that I've noticed? He goes, what's that? I go, you're actually like me, but you're better than me. He goes, what do you mean? I said, you want to quit. I've actually quit. I feel like you don't give up and you inspire me. I told him, son, the reason why, I'm, I'm doing this jujitsu thing and training right now more than I've done in the past is because of you. You actually, I see how hard you work. I see, cause he really loves it. I see how, I mean, 
he doesn't know jujitsu is it's like someone choking you and when you start in the very beginning you get choked a lot you don't really choke other people that much and so the people that make it past the first six months of jujitsu it's it means that you've gotten really comfortable getting your butt kicked and you've been humbled a lot and he's almost been training for you know six months now but ever since he started training i've like it's been so much more passion me because i've been watching him and i've been inspired by him and i told him that and he looked at me he goes really he's like like you look up to me and i go yeah he goes but you're better than me i go not for long you're gonna be better than me because you might quit for a moment in your head but you always come back and get better i said so son so thank you for just talking to me and tell you how i feel tell me how you feel and um just want to let you know that like it's because of you that i'm not quitting now he was like, wow, dad, thank you. He and I went, grabbed some Chick-fil-A, stopped at the mall, picked up something, went home, came, gave me a big hug, said, dad, thank you. I really appreciate that. Like, you made my night. I wouldn't have been able to do that, you guys, if I had not set that stage for weeks and weeks and weeks upon end. I used to see him get frustrated like that, and I used to get so angry, and I'd be like, oh, I'm like, I can't ask questions, so I'll just go like this. Like, well, I know you're frustrated with yourself. But, you know, it'll get better and, you know, just just shake it off. You'll be fine. We'll go back next time. But that just wasn't going to do, do it this time. I could tell he's he's getting he's just getting to the point where he's got to work through these things. And the best way for him to work through them is to realize his dad is also working through the same things. So moral story, you guys get better at being more open with your kids about your own personal struggles with no agenda for them to have to reciprocate it. Like you don't want to ask them after you tell them your struggles. Okay. So, uh, so now tell me how you feel or, or I'm only telling, I don't want them to get the impression that you're only telling them these personal struggles or these personal things that you, that you grapple and you battle with in your mind or physically, whatever it may be. You don't want to tell them that simply as like, Hey, I've been through it too. I know what you're going through. And if I went through it, you can go through it as well. Sometimes that's good enough. But other times we just need to let them get it out. It's not about us. Connection is the greatest currency. The kryptonite to depression is connection. If you want to have a greater connection with your kids, sometimes you just got to share with them that you're also a regular person. And the older they get, it's even more, it's more, it's, it's just so much more important. I guess what I'm trying to say for you to do that. You need to change the guard from you being their parent to you being their partner. And I don't mean partner like equal partner. I mean like they can come to you like a partner, that they can express things to you where they know that you're going to listen to them and that sometimes you may actually share some personal things about them, not to take the attention completely off them, but you may share some things about yourself simply as like a confession because nothing's going to help that connection more or nothing's going to, um, you know, the, when you can connect and when you can relate it just squashes the frustration that they hate that they have towards themselves. Or maybe if they've had resentments towards you in the past, if they can relate to certain personal struggles that you have and you're not making your personal struggle as an example, just to tell them to get over their struggle. And it's very sincere about yourself. Well, the next thing you know, they start to relate to you more and they start to get less frustrated with you. They like, they start to understand their own frustrations better because they came from you. Well, you guys, take that information, put it in your back pocket, put it in your connection bank account because connection is the greatest currency, like I said. And until next time, remember, you can follow us on Instagram, you can follow us on YouTube, you can follow us on um, TikTok now as well. 
under OG therapy on Instagram is OG therapy. Um, and if you want to be able to pay five bucks a month to get a couple years of bonus content footage, or if you just want to watch these episodes, cause we post every single one of these episodes in a video form in there. All you got to do is go to www.patreon.com backslash. I almost said like the fight backslash OG therapy. And you'll be able to get those videos uh, on there if you're like me and I like to watch my podcast and videos. We also do have some of our older episodes up on YouTube if you want to check those out as well. But until next time, just remember you guys are down on your knees saying, please, Lord, baby Jesus, Buddha, Allah, please help me with my kids so I don't strangle them. Help me with my kids so I don't lose my mind or have a heart attack or have to color my hair every single week because I got so many grays in my hair because of all the stress. You're down on your knees thinking those things. Sticking those types of things, just remember you just press play, listen to your OGs. Until next time.